Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Charlotte Hornets team preview for the 48 Minutes Network. This is part two of our team previews as Sean knocked out the Chicago Bulls one this week with Jason Pat. So I get one of my favorite interviews of the year we do. Uh, talking about the Hornets with our good friend, three-time guest of the show now, Claire James. Claire, welcome back and how are you? Thank you for having me. I am doing wonderful. All this crazy rain in Charlotte is finally helping my allergies. So hopefully I don't sound like a nasally mess. No, no, no. I mean, I live in Cincinnati, so that's all nasally mess. So I understand. <laughs> you get it. You get it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, before we get into talking about Life After Dwight, the 2018-2019 Charlotte Hornets story, uh, we do want to let you know, check out everything on 48minutesnetwork.com, where we're getting really good at putting some articles up. Uh, I have a few things up there, including a piece I wrote about Markel Fultz and why the hell he didn't play in Summer League. I don't understand. Um, but we also are now Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Alexa, iHeartRadio and Spotify. So we are everywhere on the map now as we are making this continuous growth. So we're excited. Um, so with that being said, Claire, normally when you're on the show, you know, we, we like to have some say some funny things. Like we talk about Isaiah Thomas being in dunk contests. And oh, gosh, yes. How Frank Kaminsky looks like he could be Arnie from Hey Arnold. Yes, he really uh, can. Yeah. But this is a no-nonsense podcast this year. Oh, wow. We're going to be very serious. Yes. I have my serious hat on. We're, there's no messing around this year, okay? Okay, gotcha. So question one is obviously, how weird is Tony Parker looking at a Hornets jersey? <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, like, you get so used to seeing him as first jersey. And, right. Like, for, for very good reason. I mean, it's like seeing Michael Jordan in the Wizards jersey, right? But, I mean, I do gotta, I got to say, you know, it's it, the bright colors on Tony is kind of a throwback to the old Spurs colors when they had, like, the pink and the teal. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right? And so, I mean, you know, it's it's – but, I mean, it is so it, – it still messes with my mind. Like, I mean, I am so glad that we signed Tony Parker for a few reasons. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I saw that photo released today, and I was just – or uh, yesterday, I think it was. And I was just – I was – I seriously sat there and stared at it for, like, 30 seconds. And I'm sure I probably weirded some people out around me. But I was still, <laughs> like – I was still, like, this is real. Like, this is actually happening. But, it It's so crazy. Like, you're right because, you know, he's been a spur for so long. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago. The Spurs aren't going to be recognizable anymore with all the people yeah. that are gone and him being a part of it. But what's going to be really weird, because I can kind of live with him wearing, like, the Buzz City, City Edition jersey and things like that, right. is when the Hornets have those 20, 15, 20 games a year when they wear the throwback unis where I'm like, okay, this is really weird. I don't I don't know how much I love this, but I love this a lot. It, yeah, no, and, and honestly, with the teal, I thought – yeah, I think they always take the team pictures in the teal, but I saw an article today, and it was um, from a San Antonio newspaper, and it was just like, oh, that's just another punch to the gut for us. And I'm like, oh, I can imagine. Because <laughs> if, like, if Kemba was to ever leave us, and I would have – and I would completely support him wherever he goes, um, but if he was to ever leave us, I would have the exact same reaction of, you know, him seeing – him in a new jersey and just being like, oh. That doesn't look right. And he hasn't even been with us for nearly as long as Tony Parker was. What, 17 years with the Spurs? 
Yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's just one of those things where I feel like us Hornets fans, you know, when we traded away, um, actually, like, even seeing, like, you know, Jeremy Lin was only with us for one year, but he, even seeing him in a Nets jersey was kind of weird. Not to yes. mention, you know, with the, with the braids and stuff, too, but. That's well, <laughs> yeah, it's also it, – I think it plays into, like, if you look at the Hornets' color scheme, no one else has a similar color scheme. Like, the Heat no. and the Bulls, similar color schemes, you know. Right. Um, you know, the Thunder and the Knicks. Laugh. Right, yeah, the, the Thunder and the Knicks, similar color schemes. So you're like, okay, those jerseys look similar. Like, someone goes from, like, the Hornets with that teal exactly. and then the purple, and then you're like, what, 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 what? This I mean, is – what? Exactly, and, like, even seeing Dwight Howard, you know, last year in the in the teal and purple is still a little weird. And, like, and even after I kind of got used to him being on the team, um, usually if they were wearing, like, either the Black Buzz City jerseys or, like, the White Hope jerseys or whatever, that's fine. But when they, when he was wearing the teal jersey, that was when I was a little, like, oh, wow, this is and, – and, you know, and I love our jerseys. I love the yeah. Charlotte Hornets jerseys, I think, and especially, like, the throwbacks. Like, the throwbacks are just one of those, like, classics that – Exactly. You, you – from, from the original Charlotte Hornets stint, you know, that's just one that – you you see all these guys wearing you know like oh I remember what I was gonna say um when Dell went Dell Curry went from the Hornets to the Raptors I remember that was one of the first times I ever seen him in the Raptors jersey with the purple and that right. was a bold color scheme too but yeah. with the purple and I was like oh that doesn't look right he should be wearing the our purple not their purple yeah and like every everyone I think except for LeBron this year when they have a different jersey you're gonna be like that looks weird but with because LeBron's so cool it's like right. all right he pulls it off it's fine. But LeBron can pull anything off exactly I mean, he was wearing you know he was wearing the those weird there's just like, don shorts just, yeah well exactly or like the the lakers shorts and i don't know for me I, I don't like the new scheme that people have going where they're trying to make the shorts into a jersey and put like the name of the team across the front and like that just I, that look is weird to me in general like not just on lebron but lebron actually he kind of pulled it off yeah, because he can. He's he the can. only person that probably can. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, talking about uniforms, obviously, um, like we said in last year's show, I think I told you, I jumped on the Hornets bandwagon strictly because they went back to the throwbacks. Absolutely. And As then, you should. Right, exactly. I'm actually wearing the, the the dry fit shirt right now with the Buzz logo. Nice. The original one, so. Solid. Yeah, exactly. Solid. Happy. Um, so, the white jerseys were announced yesterday for the 30th anniversary of the... Hornets, Bodcaps, Wizards, Hornets-ish. <laughs> I don't know what history franchise we are. Right. Um, but I'm pretty fired up for this. I saw they're only wearing them for six games. What petition do we need to sign to get both the teal and the white ones to be their full-time jerseys again? Oh, I don't know. But whatever it is, I want sign me up because I want to. And honestly, I'm pretty sure that someone somewhere in Charlotte has already started one of those. Because um, as, as cool as like the new the redesign was when we first got the team back, you know... You, the, the, the throwbacks are just so nostalgic and so I mean like if they brought back if if they brought back the starter jerseys as well and made them warm up in those starter jerseys yeah or the starter jackets I'm sorry not the starter jerseys but warm up the starter jackets like the ones that like are not breathable at all the ones that like you you'd be sweating a million gallons before the game even started um, but I would absolutely have on that that petition as well because man those starter uh, those starter jackets. If you still had one in Charlotte after we got the name back, like that was gold. It was absolutely worth. Well, it's not worth. It's not very heavy, but you know, it's worth its weight in gold. Maybe three times its weight in gold. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure we need to do starter jacket promotional night. First, oh, yes. first, for, for what, how much does a hive hold? Fifteen thousand. Uh oh, I don't. 
you know, I, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Well, the, the first, like, 8,000, we'll say. It's more than eight, obviously. Get the jacket. I think that would be a great promotional idea. I'm going to get Pete Gwelly on the horn. He's the uh, marketing guru, and he's the one who has a lot of input into, you know, like, the bobblehead nights and things like that. So I'll, we'll, we'll throw that out there. We'll be in touch, Pete. Sounds good. Yes, Pete, if you're listening, we need this to happen. I will drive to Charlotte for this night. <laughs> yes. We'll do an Airbnb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess we can talk basketball now. Um, a lot of changes, obviously, for the franchise. Um, really, really liked getting rid of Dwight Howard. I think that was a great move. Absolutely. Um, like you said, bringing in Tony Parker is really big for them. Mm-hmm. Um, James Borrego coming in to be the new coach, replacing Steve Clifford. Mm-hmm. Mitch Kupchak's coming to town. He's grew up in North Carolina, so obviously him and MJ are buddies. And he played at UNC. Exactly. So, what do you think? I mean, this, that's a lot of changes. It's front office changes. That's player personnel changes. Bismack is back for some reason or another. <laughs> Listen, okay. So, whenever uh, Charlotte Hornets Twitter just absolutely blew up when that announcement was made. I know that the rest of the NBA Twitter is just kind of like, okay, so this is a slow news day if this is news. And meanwhile, like, Charlotte Hornets fans are just like, this is back, this is amazing. And um, if you ask any one of them, you'd be like, why do you like him? The answers from probably 95% of the people are going to be like, no good reason. He's just a good guy and fun to watch um, because he's he's a little all over the place, but he has such great energy. Um, like, if, you, if you're ever dragging, and I will say this, I like Biz and Dwayne Bacon for the exact same reasons, and I tweeted this out a while ago. Um, I like Biz and Dwayne Bacon for the exact same reasons. And first off, if you ever, you know, seeing your players kind of lagging behind, getting a little slow, maybe it's the third quarter, halfway through the third quarter, throw out Biz and Dwayne, and, like, the energy level is going to triple. Um, if you – you also know that whenever you pull, put them out there, they're going to mess up between, like, one to three things that they really shouldn't screw up. But everyone's just kind of like, oh, biz, like, whenever that happens. And so, like, nobody ever really gets, like, super, super frustrated with biz. I mean, like, there's a certain amount of, like, rumbling discontent. But, I mean, nobody ever really gets, like, super frustrated with biz. Um, and same thing with Dwayne. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, you know, he does have a good defensive presence around the rim, and that is something that – when we got rid of Dwight, we had to replace. And, you know, actually, I actually prefer Biz over Timothy Moskov because even though I know they had similar contract situations, um, Timothy Moskov is just basically, and I hate to say it this way, but I'm going to, um, he's just basically a bigger, slower Cody Zeller. And <laughs> we already have one. So let's mix it up a little bit. Let's get a dynamic player in there. And, um, and I don't know if dynamic is the right word, but you know what? I'm a homer and I'm using it. Um, but if you get you know someone like Biz in there that at least can give you a lot of defensive presence, even though he's going to screw up a lot of stuff on offense. Yeah, it's um, really interesting. Be like you said, um, the, the things he does bring to the table. Um, you know, obviously you bring in Willie Hernan Gomez too, and I yes. really like I like that move a lot. I think his upside is tremendous. When you tweeted out that poll earlier, and you're like, "Who's going to be the?" Oh, I, I understand why everyone thinks Malik. I totally, I totally understand why. My thing though is. Um, with Malik, it's when he got hurt, it was the first game of the summer league, and it was literally the last play. He drove for a ball, and it looked like he jammed up his hand, and he was, you know, like – anyway, so initially it came out that it was a fracture, and all the Hornets fans are like, that's because we can't have anything nice. Um, but and then it came out that it wasn't a fracture. It was just like – he jammed it up weird and there's like a weird separation or something like that. Um, so at least that was a good sign from him. The only thing is that he 
he still missed the rest of the summer league and um, that was the same hand he hurt last year. So I am a little hesitant on Malik. I thought that his first game, he had 23 points, um, a, you know, a bunch of rebounds, and he played really, really well. His decision-making is a lot better from last year as well. Um, however, he's still a liability on defense. He got caught out of place a few times. Um, and I think that he is poised to have a much better year than he did have last year. But it would have been nice for him to have those extra summer league games in order to really hone um, hone his game even more. And we can see, okay, well, is, is this for real or did he just have a good, you know, game out of the, out of, out of, right out of the gate? Um, that said, with Willie, though, I'm excited to see Willie because he had a legitimately good summer league. Um, he, you know, he, he's 6'11", he has good size, um, and honestly, with Cody's injury history, and maybe even potentially without it, he might have a chance at starting. Um, because I know that James Borrego, the new head coach, likes to play kind of a space and pace um, game while letting the players run in transition. I'm sure we'll get to that later. But, um, you know, he does like to spread the floor. That's kind of a very Spurs thing to do. Um, but, I mean, I, I was impressed. I thought that he played aggressively, and he was he was good on defense. He needs to be smarter about when he's shooting, you know, in the, the, you know, that probably 12 to 15 foot range. Um, but you know what? So does Cody. Yeah. And talk about Malik Monk real quick. Cause I, I agree with everything you say about Willie. Um, I really like Malik. I think Malik yeah. has a tremendous upside. Like you said, his decision-making has gotten a lot better. Um, I also have this tendency to believe that he's just baby J.R. Smith, where <laughs> he might have a game where he drops 45, like he did at Kentucky. <laughs> Yeah, but the, right, right. But, but the next night he'll shoot like two for 15. Exactly. And that's what I was saying. You know, he, the first game he had in the summer league, he had 23 points, but then he got injured and he wasn't able to play for the rest of the summer league. So that's what I'm saying. I wanted to see if this is going to be like consistent Malik Monk or, you know, was he just excited to get back in the gym and get black, back playing? And, and you know, is it, can, can he maintain that? Um, I, obviously, he's not going to be asked to score 23 points with, you know, he's still going to be coming off the bench. He's not going to be asked to score 23 points on a nightly basis with the Hornets. Um, however, I do think that if you are looking at, um, you know, again, his, his better decision making and things like that, you know, he, he, he's a good backup for Nick Batum. He's a really good backup for Nick Batum. Nick Batum, who currently is the highest paid player on the Hornets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For now. For now. Well, yeah, and we'll see. I mean, this is going to be an interesting year, um, especially with Kemba's contract coming up. Uh, you know, he did recently say in an interview that he does – he loves Charlotte. He wants to stay in Charlotte, um, which is which is great to hear as a Hornets fan. Um, but, you know, it as someone who has been burned <laughs> a few times, um, you know, it's one of those things where – I, I want Kemba to be able to compete for a ring, and you know this year is going to depend. It's going to decide a lot you know, with Kemba's future and see, you know, whether or not he goes somewhere else and and whether he stays here. And I think that this season we really got to almost this, the Hornets have to almost make their case in order to keep Kemba. Um, that I mean, but you know, I, Kemba's Kemba's a good dude. He's a good guy. Plays hard. Works hard every single day. Um, and. But, you know, if it comes down to a money where he could get, you know, 20 mil more somewhere else, I, I got to imagine that it would be hard to turn that down. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, were you how how close were you on the edge of your seat when the rumors were going around for like Kemba to Cleveland so they could keep LeBron? Oh gosh, that was really yeah, that was stressful because I mean, I the rumor was, and I'm not sure if you heard the same one I did, um, but the rumor was that the only way LeBron was going to stay in Cleveland was yeah, I heard that too. Kemba. Okay, gotcha. Um, so yeah, and and you know that's a good pitch, and be like, hey, look, you're going to be staying alongside uh, LeBron and and Kevin Love, and um, you know. LeBron, the best player in the game, wants you here, <laughs> and you know that's that's a good pitch. But you know, I guess I'm not sure. I'm sure you know Mitch Kupchak probably had something to say of, okay, you're going to get Kemba. What are you going to give us? Um, and Kemba had no. He gave no indication that he wanted to be traded. It wasn't like a Kawhi Leonard situation where you know Kawhi wanted out, um, and so the front office is going to be possibly a little bit more flexible in moving him. Um, you know, Kemba gave the exact opposite, if anything. Yeah, completely. And I, 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 I'm with you. I totally appreciate that he wants to stay. I think he's going to be a big market guy this year for them. Here's my, here's my Kemba hot take, though. Okay. So I get into this with my buddies all the time, and I'm sure if you've listened to our shows before, you know I love Kyrie. I think Kyrie's great. Oh. Kyrie does a lot of things really well on the courts. I don't think there's a significant drop off from Kyrie Irving to Kemba Walker. Everyone acts like Kyrie's like leaps and bounds better, and he does everything so much better. But I think Kevin Walker is pretty close to him actually in talent level. I know I um, 100% agree with you. I just think that Kyrie's been getting a lot more um, TV time, frankly, and that's why people exactly get sucked into the idea that Kyrie is you know this so, you know much better player. But I mean, if you talk to people around the league and you ask them like, all right, you know, who are the top five underrated players in the league? I'm pretty sure that Kemba's going to appear on at least 80% of those people's lists. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, and I completely agree with you. And I think really with Kyrie, um, Kyrie's a great player, don't get me wrong. Um, it's just that when he was playing with LeBron, you know, they were getting so much TV time, you're able to see, you know, all those good games. And typically whenever Hornets were on the, the <laughs> TV um, or on national TV, uh it was against Cleveland or, you know, and obviously, you know, people kind of judge the player by the team as well. A lot of times. These oh, for days. sure. And that, that was kind of a damper on, on Kemba, uh, you know, that went against Kemba in, se- in several ways. So, um, no, I completely agree with you. I think that Kemba and Kyrie really, um, are very similar players and, and deserve similar recognition. Thank you, Claire. I'm glad that, I'm glad that someone's got my back here I'm because I'm with every- you here. Everyone looks at me like I got three heads when I say stuff like that. And I'm like, no, guys, I'm telling you, if yeah. Kemba Walker was on that Cleveland team, I don't think there's a significant drop-off. I still think they won a title. No, and you know what? LeBron agrees with you, too. Yeah, see? LeBron <laughs> and I, we, we talk about these things. Yeah, right, exactly. Sorry, no, non- at all. <laughs> right, no nonsense. Sorry, no nonsense. Yeah, yeah. My no, right, right, right. Yeah, right. Right, dead seriousness. Being serious here. Yeah, putting the seriousness back on. Okay, gotcha. All right, so... Actually, I'm kidding. You know, that's not going to happen. No, no, I know. I, know. <laughs> um, yeah. I really love the Hornets draft this year, too. I think they're getting uh, – yep. I, I was kind of shocked they took Shea, even though I like I kind of – I think I had that in a mock draft or two. Um, and then, obviously, they switched into Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. who I love. I yes. love Miles Bridges so much. Yes. And then getting Devontae Graham the second round, a guy who was really successful in college. Mm-hmm. And then you sign my guy to a two-way, J.P. Bakira. I mean okay. – yeah. Claire, it's like it's like Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego and Michael Jordan are just trying to just Win. get me to yeah to come over yeah like, yeah. <laughs> yeah well we already won, won you over with your throwbacks right Unis so, at least you're repping the gear that's the first Kemba step. 
Yeah, exactly. That's step number two is Kemba. And then step number three is, you know, winning some games. Right. Yeah. So what do you think about getting Miles Bridges, how he fits? Do you think with that two, with that wing scenario they have? Because Charlotte's got a lot of wings now. Right. Um, do you think that Miles Bridges at some point is going to take over minutes from Michael K. Gilchrist? I think he has a – I certainly think the possibility is there. The reason why I'm a little hesitant, and again, I'm basing this is off, all this off of Summer League, and um, because I think that Summer League is kind of the true test of a player rather than watching a bunch of college highlights, um, especially yeah, for sure. on where you went to college. But that said, I liked what I saw from Miles Bridges in the Summer League. I think that he's athletic. I think he's a good lockdown defender. Um, I know that they're probably Jamesburg is probably going to be switching a lot more and the Hornets are going to be switching a lot more than what he was used to in, in um, college, but he seems like a smart player and that shouldn't in athletic enough that that shouldn't be an issue for him. Um, I think that he's going to start off with a, as a good Michael K. Gilchrist backup. Um, but you know, if, if he can start making consistent shots and that was the issue with him during the summer league is that he did not have a very good, um, shooting percentage uh was he and, and i think that a lot of those shots were just bad decisions as well um if he can get smarter about making his shots then he has this, he really does have a chance to take over for mkg um i know mkg is kind of playing a lot more conservatively lately because he doesn't want to get hurt he basically lost two seasons to shoulder injuries and he doesn't want to go through that again i completely empathize with that um my thing with uh, MKG, though, is that if he's not playing just completely all out, then um, he's not as effective as a player. Um, that said, if Miles Bridges can come in and you know kind of play that kind of game, then I think that he does have a, a good chance of taking over. That said, Miles Bridges is the one to me that I am actually going to be watching pretty closely just to see. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how much – time he gets early on in the season and see how comfortable he is with the rotations and with, um, you know, the, the defensive uh, positions and, and strategies and things like that. Um, my thing, though, is if he doesn't get a whole lot of playing time early on in the season, he has a good chance of being sent down to Greensboro for a couple weeks, if anything, just to get him some playing time before the season really ramps up in the new year. So being sent down maybe around like Thanksgiving, Christmas time or something like that, um, early December, get him some playing time and then get him back up to Charlotte in order to um, be Michael K. Gilchrist back up. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Um, you know, like you said, like we said, there's just so much, so many guys that play in those positions for them. Mm-hmm. And um, even Makira, if Makira gets uh, his time up with the two-way, he's, he's a guy that can play as a wing. Absolutely. So there, there's so much to look into there. Yeah. Um, talking about, you know, Kid Gilchrist and obviously we, we, I know we've had this conversation before and you and I are on the MKG team. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we, we, I, we, I acknowledge his terrible shot. I think like everyone does, <laughs> Right. but I love his defensive abilities. Um, I love his athleticism. Yeah, for um, sure. you know, and he's kind of coming up in that situation now where he's kind of, this is going with, this is year four, right? So this is, uh-huh. this is option year. So, yep. uh, well, I think a lot of Mitch... Oh, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think a lot of Mitch Kupchak's moves that he's made during the, during either the draft or the offseason moves um, kind of say a lot about what certain players' futures might be with the Hornets. 
Um, you're, you know, of course, with uh, Miles Bridges, um, you know, he drafted him to be a backup as M- for MKG. I think that was pretty obvious at the start. Uh, nobody was, or we traded for him in the draft to be a backup for, for MKG. Um, you know, I think that was pretty obvious from the start. And yeah, with MKG coming up on an option year, this is, this might be somewhat of a message to him. Um, the other one is Biz, who we were talking about earlier. I mean, he's got two years left on his contract. Might be an indicator for Cody, who only, I think this is his option year as well. Um, or maybe he's just a free agent after this year. Um, but, you know, same thing with Cody. And I think uh, with, you know, Willie Hernan Gomez, depending on how well he plays during the season, again, and I'm not completely, you know, convinced that Cody's going to be the starter going into the, and maybe going into the season, but maybe not, you know, a permanent starter in the, in the center position for the Hornets. So we're going to see what happens with, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these players, um, Nick Batum with uh, Devontae Graham, um, or even, or even with Malik Monk, you know, Malik behind uh, Nick Batum as well. I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do about Nick Batum, but, you know, if we yeah, can 24 move, million, you know. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but if we can, if we can move MKG's contract and Cody's contract, then that might put us in a better position to retain Kemba. Um, you know, there's just a lot of, there's, there's a lot of balls up in the air right now, basically. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's not, you're not alone in that scenario when you look around the league. There's oh, a lot of really bad money out there. Oh, for uh, sure. Gosh, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, talk a little bit more. Let's kind of get back to Tony Parker, because we just really, all we touched on was the weirdness in the uniform. Right. Um, I listened to James Borrego on Woj's pod, mm-hmm. and I loved everything he said about what he wants from his team. I loved what he said about Kemba, what Kemba said about having Tony Parker to learn from. Absolutely. I thought those were all great things. So, you know, this is going to be – how do I put this? It's going to be interesting to see Parker running a second unit, really kind of being in charge. He's going to be a great role model, obviously, for young guys. Like we mentioned, Graham and Bridges and, and Bacon and Monk are really going to learn a lot from him. So where do you really see, like, his role with this team? He's not, obviously not going to play every day because where he's at in his career. But he very well could be a really good 15-18 minute guy. He could be someone that this team's really going to look to as a leader. I can't imagine that Tony Parker didn't come here not to play and be a consistent part of the team. No, no, and I completely agree with you. And I think that his uh, his relationship with James Borrego is a huge part of him coming here as well. Um, I, but you know, I I really think that Tony Parker, just by signing with us, already has had a huge impact on the team, and that it's uh, Kemba hasn't had a good consistent backup point guard since Jeremy Lin. Yeah, you know? you're and right. So it, you know, with Ramon Sessions. Coming back the second time, uh, Michael Carter Williams. Uh, oh, Sean told me to ask you about him because you were very excited about him. Yep, yep, and I was wrong, one hundred percent. I was just hoping. Well, I mean, especially with Steve Clifford, like Steve was always known as someone who and had a reputation around the league as someone who could revive a player's career, and that's what he did with Jeremy Lin. I mean, th- there is no denying that, um, and that's what he did with. with Dwight Howard to a certain extent as well. Dwight Howard had the best year that he's had, you know, since a while, Orlando yeah. maybe, and last year. So um, I was hoping that that would happen with Michael Carter Williams. Obviously, that didn't. Um, so I was completely wrong. So my bad. Um, but yeah, no. So Tony Parker, though, I think that you know his relationship with with James Borrego is a huge thing. So he's um, that familiarity is good. And then um, I know that he's coming off of. If you look at his stats for last year. They're not great, but, I mean, of course, you have to remember that he's coming off an injury, a major injury. Um, so, of course, everything was going to 
kind of take a dip, but he still was able to play like 19 minutes a game. Um, and frankly, that's really all Kemba needs, you know, in terms of rest on the bench is about 19, 20 minutes. Um, and probably less than that. But I mean, I know that he wants, to, I know Tony Parker is competitive. He wants to come here to play. Um, I, I really see this as a good signing for the Hornets because we got him. Well, when it, when it was first announced two years, 10 mil. And I was like, there has to be some sort of option in there. And it turns out, you know, he officially signed it. And according to Zach Lowe, the second year is not guaranteed. And it's like actually 10.25 mil or whatever. So it's going to be about 5 mil a year. Um, and that's a great deal for the Hornets. And I think that, you know, when you get to a, to a point with Tony Parker, um, whether he's playing or not playing, at 36 years old, you just kind of have to have the conversation with him and be like, hey, what, what do you want to do next year? What, you know, what, where do you see yourself? Do you think you have another year out of you um, uh, or in you? And do you, do you want to continue to play here? Because um, obviously, you know, he's, he's still – He's still got some legs. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so, but he's, still, he's also not going to be the player he was when he first came into the league. Everyone knows that. Um, and I think he knows that as well. So um, I think as long as everyone's being realistic in, in the expectations and realistic in, uh, especially with Tony, like, you know, honest you know, about his abilities and what he can do. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll put out another album. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the I'm only so thing I happy. want from him. That's the only thing I want from him. You need to buy it and then go to a game and make sure he signs it. I'm just going to put it, I'm just going to give it to the uh, PA guy and yeah. just let him. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, um, so weird random story, not basketball related at all. One yeah. time I went to an Applebee's with my friends and we ran into John Cena there. Nice. And my buddy got John Cena to sign his John Cena's rap album for him. Awesome. So you know it's basically the same thing. So so what your buddy just like casually carries around John Cena's yeah album you in know. case he runs into him in an Applebee's. In an Applebee's, yeah, it was in his car. <laughs> so it happened to be in a CD book in his car. This is how old that was. CDs That's and hilarious. cars. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. the days. I remember. Yeah, so exactly, and it was pretty amazing actually. That is awesome. And that this is, is probably the part where people turned off the podcast. Yeah, it's all right. But you know what? If they did, they missed an amazing story. Right. Like, it's not, you're not going to not get John Cena's autograph. No, of course not. No. And, you know, if you, it's one of those things where if the situation presents itself and you're in an Applebee's and so is John Cena and you happen to have an album in a car. Right. You're going to do what you're going to do. You yeah. got to take a chance. Right. I mean, the worst thing you can say is no. Right. Yeah. And then you have a story, even, you have a better story then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, but I've always heard John Cena's a good dude, so I, I can't imagine him saying no. Yeah, it was pretty neat. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. Um, curious your thoughts on this, because we obviously don't get a lot of... This is not meant to sound horrible. We don't get a lot of female insight on, on the show, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, non-Hornets related, Becky Hammond gets an interview for an NBA head coaching job this offseason. Right. The more the conversation comes out, the more it sounds like she's going to be a head coach in the next few years. How fucking cool was that? I love it. I love it. And, you know, I think that a lot of people um, are in... Well, let me let me say this. Um, I think that Becky Hammond's an amazing coach. I think that she's done a lot of really good work with the um, with the Spurs. Uh, whenever you are a new coach to any team whatsoever, whether it's the Spurs who has who have a tradition of hiring amazing people on their coaching staff and their scouting staff and all this other, um, basically every other position in their franchise. Um, you know, you still have to win over the trust of the players. And, like, listening to the way the players talked about her, uh, Pal Gasol wrote um, that, that uh, 
article as well for the Players Tribune. How he's, that was how, awesome. Yeah, and how he spoke about her. I mean, she clearly did that. And and again, you know, you don't you don't do that with nothing. You don't just expect to walk into the gym and be, be like, you know, hey, you got to listen to me and what I say. You know, um, uh, I do know that a lot of people were like, well, she's skipping the line because she's you know, a woman and, and the NBA wants to kind of get some good cred in that regard and all this other stuff. And I, I well, she was recently promoted on the bench, especially with um, James Borrega leaving. And why am I blanking on his name? The other assistant coach who left. The one that's going to the Suns. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, um, obviously there's some positions to fill. And, you know, the, the natural thing for the Spurs to do is kind of promote from within. So they promoted her within. And But, yeah, no. So I think at that point you really can't have the conversation of, oh, is she skipping the blind because – you know, she's a woman, and, and NBA wants to say, "Hey, like we're we're cool with this, and look at us, and you know, or whatever." And, and I, as much as I want to promote people, as much as I want um, women and minorities, I mean, like for instance, James Borrega is the first full-time Hispanic head coach in the NBA. I learned yeah. that today when I was doing my research, and I was like, "Oh, wow, that's awesome." Um, so I do want the league to become a lot more diversified, um, especially in coaching in high-level positions. Um, you know, it, but it, I think that she also has, has done her due diligence, has earned her cred. And, you know, when people are looking to interview for head coaching positions, um, even though they may not, they may take an interview with certain coaches, um, male or female, um, knowing that we're probably not going to hire you now, but we want to keep you on the radar in case the person that we kind of do want to hire, it doesn't work out either this year or next year or whatever it may be, you know? So, I mean, this is not an uncommon thing for um, NBA teams or really any team to hire or to, to interview for coaching positions or GM positions or whatever it might be um, with obviously a clear favorite and then also bring other people in to see what they have to say in case they're like, hey, maybe that is something we need to consider. Or maybe, you know, that, that person's thought process really should be our thought process as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was so excited. I was really hoping she was going to get the Bucks job. Oh, yeah. I understand Boonholzer got it, you know, but huh, yeah. whatever. Well, I mean, no, but I think you're right, though. I think within the next few years, she is absolutely going to get a head coach position somewhere. And, you know, it'd be nice to see her be put or, you know, go to a team where she has a solid chance at winning and a um, solid chance with uh, developing good players, um, you know, and, and – is where you know she could she could be successful um that way the narrative isn't oh she's you know she's the head coach because she's a woman it's wow she's a really good coach and i mean that's that's ultimately especially you know working or not working in sports but you know being in sports and and listening to you know various reporters you know i'm, I'm friends with female reporters and you know people who women who work in sports as well and, you know, they, they obviously have a tough time sometimes, um, but it doesn't diminish their abilities. And you want them to be put in good positions where, you know, it's not just, oh, she's the token female coach. I want her to be in a position where she is a good coach. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're talking a lot about women in sports and how tough that is. And I think that's a cool thing. Like, Allie Clifton is one of my favorite basketball podcasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she's amazing, and yeah. like I really enjoy it because she just doesn't give a shit. She says what she says, oh, yeah, absolutely, and, it, and she's fun. Like mm-hmm. she has a every every road trip and episode I look forward to. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are out there like that. Um, and, you know, because I always liked watching, uh, like, Katie Nolan's Garbage Time when she was on FS1. Oh, yeah. Like, that was a brilliant show. She was funny. She was entertaining. She was engaged. Um, she uh, always had some, you know, creative spin or creative take on, you know, the, the world of sports. And, you yeah, know, she I was loved, great. Yeah, and I love watching Rachel Nichols. Um, oh, for sure. And, on the jump. I, you know, and she is one of the smartest people in the ba- smartest writers in basketball or and, and she hosts well too she brings in other people who are just as smart and talented and know what they're talking about um and you know if if, if someone gets a woe stamp of approval or if someone gets the rachel nichols stamp of approval i feel like that's kind of like on the same level um same thing with doris burke doris burke, i really i you know watching the excuse me watching the uh NBA finals when she was on the sideline doing the sideline reporting it was frustrating honestly because I wanted her to be doing the play-by-play or at least the color commentary or something oh she's awesome yeah because she's so good and and, you know and she's another one that's kind of like Allie like she will just say it how it is and she does not care about um you know protecting certain fan bases or trying to you know kind of dance around some sort of she's if she sees a bad play she'll call the bad play um, and, you know, that's what I really like about her. Same thing, you know, actually down here with the Hornets, we had uh, Stephanie Reddy, who is uh, actually the first female head coach um, in, in professional uh, – oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, sorry. Um, Stephanie Reddy is the first female head coach for a professional basketball team when she coached uh, at the at time as a D-League team. Um, but she was a color commentator two seasons ago, and then last season she was moved to the sideline, and Del Curry, um, and why am I blanking on his name? Oh, my God. Um, this is so bad. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, anyway. anyway I don't remember I mean, every Bulls commentator. Yeah, well, I mean, but he's so entertaining, and he has such, like, good, like, catchphrases, so I thought the three-person booth worked, but, you know, they sent her down to the sideline because, you know, they wanted to have someone down there for – to keep track of injuries and things like it, like it was just sort of to me it was kind of like a bullshit excuse and and i really hope that stephanie reddy's back in the booth sooner rather than later because she is excellent and i know that it's very niche comment you know i know that a lot of people listening to this podcast may not um know exactly who i'm talking about but if there's any fans who are hornets fans who are listening they know exactly what i'm talking about and because i mean she was she was really well liked around here well, that's really cool and i'm glad to hear that it's a huge thing for sure mm-hmm. all right so you know, with young teams that are up and coming and kind of putting their pieces together, we hear two th- words to describe those teams every year. Good, right. like, oh, man, they're good, or, oh, man, they're going to be fun, which is they're not good yet, but yeah. they're putting the pieces together. Right, right. And, you know, and I think right now um, the Hornets do have a good chance of being good. <laughs> I, I think so, too. I think they're on the good meter. I don't think they're, I think they're more on the good meter than the fun meter. Right, exactly. And, you know, just watching the play of some of the, some of the players, I mean, there is work to be done and that's the case with any young team. Um, but, you know, I think that there are some, some pieces being put in place. You know, I think if Malik can do what he did that first game, um, it sounds like he will be, because uh, training camp for the Hornets is going to be up in uh, Chapel Hill this year, actually. Um, it's going to start in September. So I think both Malik and uh, Devontae Graham should be available for uh, to, to, to kind of get started again there. Um, that said, I'm not sure, um, especially with Devontae Graham, you know, he had the, the condylar lesion, um, but 
it doesn't. It, it just came out yesterday that it's not going to require surgery, so that's really good news. That's refreshing breath of air. <laughs> uh, that's going to be really good news. Um, he hopefully will get some playing time in training camp. Um, again, that's going to be in September. So um, we're going to see how well these pieces gel together. Um, but if there was one thing about the Spurs and, you know, the James Borrego and the Spurs are all known for, it's player development and how to get the various pieces to kind of fit into this puzzle. Um, because, I mean, let's look at the – diversity of players that Greg Popovich has had over the years. I mean, you know, you, right. when you bring in two foreign players and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili within, you know, a couple of years, bring them in with, you know, Tim Duncan and the Admiral, Dave Robinson, and, you know, a few other players that are there, um, Brent Berry and others. Um, when you bring them in, you always have to kind of look for adjustments. And, like, Kawhi Leonard was never supposed to be as big of a star as he is as well. So, um, you know, if there's – if if you want to look to a coaching staff to get more out of their players than what would possibly be expected, you're going to look at Spurs coaches. And, and we have one, so that's a good start. It is, for sure. Mm-hmm. So final thing before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Are the Charlotte Hornets a playoff team this year? Oh, oh man. Um, well, when you look around the East Coast... Remember, LeBron's not there anymore, so you know everything's open. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, I'm not sure if the Lakers are a playoff team either. Um, But I mean, I know, right? Hot take. Um, I, I, I want to say yes. Um, I want to say, I feel like we should be able to at least get a seven seed. Um, Okay. Uh, I accept might, that. Yeah, we might surprise ourselves and get maybe a six. We might also do what we did last year, which was completely fall apart and end up towards the bottom of the league. And so, you know, to me, well, not towards the bottom of the league, but we definitely should have been in playoff contention and then all of a sudden we weren't. Because um, with that team last year, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why Steve Clifford is gone along with jo- uh, uh, Rich Cho, and we're bringing in some new guys. So um, I, I got to believe that. I, I think we should. I'm just very hesitant to say we will. <laughs> I'll That's put it fair. That way. I'll put it that way. We need a wager on who's going to have a better win increase this year between the Hornets and the Bulls. Oh. That could be pretty even, honestly. Yeah, because, let's see. The Hornets won 36 last year. The Bulls won 27. Now, remember, Zach Levine is still a Bull, so mm-hmm. that hurts the Bulls' chances. Yeah, but um, where did Jimmy Butler just sign? He's still with Minnesota. Okay, he's still with Minnesota. He wants out, though, right? That's yeah, what yeah. I was hearing. Okay. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Because, um, again, I mean, with all, with all this young talent on the Hornets, I mean, it really could go either way. Um, mm-hmm. And since we're both in the East and we both are dealing with roughly the same – well, I mean, I think that maybe the Southeastern – <laughs> might be a little bit easier, honestly, than yeah. what the Bulls are dealing with. Because, like, y'all have, you know, Detroit and, you know, Min- uh, Minnesota, Milwaukee, you know, those teams up there. We have the Hawks. Um, oh, say no more, fam. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Uh, Magic. Um, we'll see what the Heat do this year. Probably not a whole lot. Um, famous last are... words. Famous last words. Um, the Wizards are poopy, so. Oh, but they just signed Dwight, so. Oh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> we passed the curse. Um John Wall and Dwight Howard together, that's going to be interesting. Oh my gosh, did you see that picture of John Wall? Oh god, he looks so bad. 
So I think just can we just go based off of that picture of John Wall alone, maybe the Hornets? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, watch me just absolutely. We'll win like 15 games this year. <laughs> Y'all go to like two seed in the playoffs or something. Oh man, but um, no. But I mean, we'll see. I, I'm not sure because I haven't done a whole lot of research on the Bulls, so that's another reason why I'm a little hes- hesitant. Um, I, as much as I love the Hornets, they kind of have to earn back my uh, my trust after last year. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I, I was in on the Hornets last year going into the season. That I was. I was too. And it was disappointing. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, you, but, you were lured in by the throwbacks, and then... I know, they were like, Tim, we know that you collect Jordan sneakers, right. we're going to have the Jumpman brand on our uniforms, yep. we're bringing back the teal jersey. Like, actually, we got to the point where Alex was sick of me talking about the Hornets jerseys. <laughs> and he was just like, Tim, just let it go, it's okay. Yeah, he's like, he's like, God damn it, Tim, just, just stop. It's like a handful of games every year, and none of them are going to be nationally broadcast. Actually, one was nationally broadcasted. Against the Cavs, yeah. Yeah, 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 we wore the... They they still won though. <laughs> that was a hell of a game. That was, was a really good game. It, it was. I mean, yeah, that was that was one where it came down to the final play, and and you know, y'all won, but it was it was a good game. There was the one too, and they were in Cleveland. It was like an ESPN Friday night game, and Kemba almost hits the shot over LeBron. Yeah, and it was at the end of the game, and I was like, ah oh, man. Oh, right, right. No, if he had hit that, it would have been it would have it would have been a different outcome. And honestly, the Cavs are one of those teams where. Last year, last year they were one of those teams where if you played against them and you won and you weren't really necessarily supposed to win, you kind of had like a little bit of a boost for the season. And then all of a sudden you started following them a little bit more and they were realizing there's a lot of teams getting some boosts that maybe they shouldn't be getting, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but, I mean... Looking at you, Orlando. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm excited for this team. That's my other thing. Like, I'm excited to watch this team. I'm always excited to watch any type of young team. Um, as frustrating as it can be sometimes, there's always at least, like, a few moments you're like, ah, this is worth it. You know, where, like, there's going to be a game when, like, Dwayne Bacon scores, like, 33 points or something. Right. You know, or, like, something preposterous like that. And you're like... Like, Monk drops, like, 16 and a quarter. Exactly, exactly. And you're going to be like, oh, this is worth it. See, this is... This is bringing me... This is the, this is the content I like. This is bringing me back <laughs> in. This is bringing yes. me back in. So we're very pro Charlotte Hornets on this episode, as you hear. And with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's edition of 48 Minutes Chicago Charlotte Hornets. Woof, man. Charlotte Hornets team preview. Wow. Part two of the team previews for the year. With always Claire James. We won't ever get another Charlotte Hornets guest on besides you. Oh, well, so thank you. thank you, as always, for doing this with us yearly and coming on and talking for us with a little bit. And thank you for no nonsense this year, for being Absolutely. dead serious the whole time. Yeah, no, There's yeah. no laughter. Right, yeah, no, we, we are very serious. This is like exactly. a college course. Yes, no exactly. Yeah. So that being said, if anyone that is a diehard Charlotte Hornets or NBA fan, for that matter, wants to follow Claire, where can they find you in the world of the internets? On the interwebs, you can find me on Twitter, at Calamity underscore James, um, and Instagram. Actually, I forget my Instagram name. Is that bad? That's bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. You have to know that. I know. I think it's... Claire JMS five on Instagram, and that's it. Right on. <laughs> that's mostly just dog pictures. So fair. Oh yeah. God, I did want to ask you one more thing before I left. Yes. Before we got done here. Yes. How excited are you that Stallball is out of pit now? Oh man, uh, that is exciting. I gotta say that that you know, and you always just looking for people to have chances. And so whenever you you have like a kind of like a personal connection to someone getting an opportunity, you're just like, ah, this is good. I like that. Yeah. I'm not sure how well it's going to turn out, but for right now, I'm happy. 
Scoring seven points and a half against Virginia was probably his end game. Oh, well, you know, everyone always is... Yeah, he, again, like, you know, if Malik Monk ever scores 16 and a quarter, we're always going to look back and be like, remember when he did that? Like, remember? <laughs> and then if it, like, if it's something, you know, physical, how he has some sort of, like, catastrophic injury or something like that, we'll always be like, but we always have that quarter. Exactly. <laughs> well, Claire, thanks again, yeah. and we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Bye.